0: like here's the deal from now on every episode we do is going to be our first episode
1: god damn it really hey everybody
0: welcome to i'm okay you're okay i'm not okay you're not okay with me bob schneider and your other host clint wells
1: you're welcome well welcome to episode one of i'm okay you're okay i'm not okay you're not okay And uh, we are gathered here today, dearly beloved, to... uh
0: We're breaking the podcast world wide open. We're basically taking the podcast world, which is like a giant egg, and we're hitting it on the side of the pan, and we're going... Out is pouring episode one of I'm okay, you're okay, I'm not okay, you're not okay. And guess what the world is doing? Salivating. Because they want that delicious eggy flavor in their ear hole now and for the rest of this episode they just want to enjoy it with that ear tongue they want that ear tongue all over this eggy fucking flavor dude they want to get their fucking tongue all over this eggy episode dude I swear to god man Oh, my God, it's so fucking moist up in this bitch. I swear to God. Thank you, Clint, and thank me, Bob, for putting this fucking goddamn soft-boiled piece of fucking eggy goodness out into the goddamn universe jesus christ it's called it's a little <laughs> thing called the lord's work and we're doing it dude here's what the lord said i'm gonna wait two thousand years for that eggy episode <laughs> and dude time has come dude the fucking timer god's timer he went like this guess what kind of timer it was it's an egg timer it's an egg timer <laughs> you <Yeah, he> fucking <laughs> Two thousand years, ding. Here we and are, fucking, dude. I don't know how, if you know how big God's mouth is, but it's gross, dude. It's so fucking big and gross, dude. God's mouth, fuck that, dude. It's the universe. That's too big, dude. If you got a mouth and you know you want to give God a kiss, good luck. He ain't gonna feel it. It's
1: a pebble in a waterfall.
0: Dude, it'd be like a bacteria of a bacteria trying to kiss your lips. You're not feeling that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you sure aren't. You sure aren't, dude. <laughs> Oh, my God. Well. Uh, Jesus Christ. Here's the deal. We have an email address, Bob and Clinton at gmail.com. People write in all the time. They let us know their thoughts. We got a really sweet email from Amy Ording. She says, hey, Clinton, Bob. She says she doesn't expect this email to be read on the air. She says you've read an email from me before, and I totally appreciate it. But I did want to read it on the air because this is what she has to say. She says, I wanted to say thank you again for all the hard work you put into your podcast and for all the extra stuff you put on Patreon. I started listening over a year ago, and it's gotten me through such a hard year with the pandemic as I'm sure you've heard from many other fans. Also, Bob, I was so excited to download your new single, Lord of the Flies. I discovered that song last year on YouTube and watched the live performances so many times that I already knew it by heart. But being able to purchase it, download it, really made my day. One last question. Do you guys have a particular album, song, or artist that originally you strongly disliked but later on loved? She says, for me, it was R.E.M., Peace out, daddies. Amy from Chicago. I thought that was cool because first of all, thanks, Amy. I'm really glad that joking about fucking periods and doing uh, British accents helped you in the pandemic. Doing the show helped me in the pandemic. Hearing that it it was uh, that energy's in a nice little feedback loop makes me happy. Number two, I'm glad that you enjoyed Lord of the Flies because we had this conversation. This email was sent, by the way, Bob, before our last conversation where you were basically saying, people are talking about how much they love Lord of the Flies and you're like, well, I've been playing it for a while. Well, she is definitely one of these people who picked up on how cool that song was before you put it on the album. I thought you might like to hear that. Um, Any of that before we talk about an artist or a song that we hated and now we love? Well, I want to remind Amy if she wants, and I
0: appreciate it. I'm glad you love that song. I do too. I love the whole album. You can get the whole album including Lord of the Flies, if you join my Patreon on the Song Club. So if you go to patreon.com backslash Bob Schneider, you can join that Patreon along with this one, which is at patreon.com backslash IOK. I'd join both. I'd join both. But if you join the Song Club, you can get the whole album. You can download it today along with all the rest of the songs on the album, which turned out great. And uh, I'm glad you like it. Very proud of it. Clint played on uh, most of it.
1: So... So Turned out great. her last question, which I think is an interesting topic for the show, for our first episode here, uh, do you guys have a particular album, song, or artist that originally you strongly disliked, but later on loved? Yes. Okay. So I, for some reason or other, hated
0: this guy. Like I saw, I saw him play somewhere. And I thought he was a hipster artist or something. I just didn't get it or whatever it was and i was just like yeah fuck that guy and i never listened to his music and then one one day i had the cd because back in the day when i would go to record stations this was back in the 90s and early 2000s when i was going to radio stations you would you would do your thing at the radio station at the end of the at the end of the uh interview or whatever they go oh we've got this closet filled with cds you can take anything you want because the you know, record companies would send their CDs like to the promos. radio station, yeah. promos, whatever. And so you would get CDs, and I would, I'll, you know, you'd walk out with like five or ten CDs. And and I, so I had a CD by this band that I thought sucked. And I was like, you know what? I wasn't doing anything one day. Let me put this CD in. And I put it in. I was like, maybe I should give this guy a listen before I hate him. I put this CD in. And halfway through the first song, I had to sit down and sat there and listen to the entire CD sitting there in awe of how good the CD was. It's one of my favorite CDs of all time. And the CD was called Whatever and Ever I'm In. And the band was called Ben Folds 5. And before that moment or before that day, I had nonstop talk shit about that band. And then after that, he became one of my favorite songwriters.
1: Hmm. He was in the song club for a minute, right? A couple of weeks at least. He was in in the song club for a minute, yeah. I don't think he could cut it. He was a little too busy, I think. It's weird that I
0: have had some very sort of famous or successful songwriters and songwriters that I really admire, including him in the song game here and there throughout the years. Mm -hmm. And they've never lasted more than... Two or three weeks patty ever.
1: griffin the same deal yeah i and i don't know why that is but it's definitely the case <clears throat> some people do not write the way that you and i do and the way that a lot of people who can last in the song game you know I'm, I'm thinking of several artists friends of mine that i know they only write 10 songs a year and those are the 10 songs that are on their new album and they spend all their time making those 10 songs great they just take longer that i don't think it means their songs are any better my best songs were written really fast and that's one of the reasons I thrive on the song game and I'm writing three to four songs a week in addition to the song game just with my all my other shit going on so but some people just don't write that way I think they want to try to crack into it but some people aren't really happy writing shit that they don't think's good and to, I think to really do the song game for the long haul you have to just be willing to turn just turn stuff in I mean you aim for good but it's not always going to be and you have to be okay with that there is a weird thing
0: sometimes i wonder because i i make myself write 52 songs a year that's the baseline amount of songs i write i'm not sure that if i only wrote 10 songs that i would have any better songs than if i wrote the 50 or the 10 i don't know but i do know people that only write 10 songs a year i listen to their music and i find That it's not very good so really at the end of the day what it boils down to is what's happened in your life that you have to actually write about and sing about and if you've had like these things so i've the newest album that i have in a room full of blood with the sleeping tiger it's all about my relationship with my wife and my daughter and death and getting older and when i was writing most of the songs for this album my daughter was between the ages of two and three. And that's really when you start getting to know the personality of your child. And I really, it's, it's when, for me, it happened with my son. It happened with my daughter. It's really when I fell in deeply in love with the person that they are, not the idea that they're your kid or that they're a cute little baby, but with the actual personality and person that, that is on this planet with you. And it's heavy, when you fall deeply in love with your child like that, it's heavy. And I got to, so a lot of the songs are about that experience. A lot of it's about the experience I have with my wife who I just married and who I love deeply. And then also just the idea that I'm, I, you know, just I'm in my late forties. So I just, you know, was in my first couple years of being 50 and just that whole thing of getting older and, and facing death and mortality. And so I had a lot to write about and going forward. I mean, what am I going to write about more death? I'm not going to be more in love with my daughter. I'm definitely not going to be more in love with my wife. I don't think. So what, what have I got to write about? Even if I'm writing 50 songs a year, am I going to be able to write any more good songs? I've always felt like I'm never going to write any more good songs. And then what happens is you write 50 songs, you write 150 songs, and then you go, well, these are the 12 best of the 150, and you put them
1: out, and you hope for the best. That's all you can do. That's all you can do. And I think, you can, I think what the song does also is it takes a lot of pressure off yourself to write the great song. You I mean, you say this all the time. You're like, when you quit worrying about that's when you're going to write your best shit. And, well, nothing stops you from writing
0: a good song more than trying to write a good song. Right. If you're like Bruno Mars and you've, written 20, you've released 24 songs and you're writing your 25th song, good luck. You got to write some shitty songs. You got to write some shitty songs just so you can relax yeah. and take the pressure off. Right. Because if you're just trying to write a good song, dude, like every word would be like, is that good enough?
1: I quit worrying about words a long time ago in terms of it being some great poetic statement on a page. I mean, my favorite songs make almost no literal sense they make a lot of emotional sense and then the way they're phrased and the way they sit and whatever the music's like it all changes everything but anyway you talking about falling in love with your daughter that hit me pretty hard just now so true yesterday we've been letting nova sleep in the bed with us during the pandemic she's pretty good in her own bed but like pandemic we were like fuck it the world's too scary and uh, she's not always going to want to be here but but we have been like since she got back in school kind of trying to reset that a little bit And what happens is she'll go to bed on her own. She always asks to come up, but we always say no. But I tell her, if you wake up and you're scared, come up. You can always come up. And you know, having your kid in bed with you is not good for intimacy with your partner and all that stuff. So we're going to bed last night and Isabel and I, she hates when I talk about this shit, but we hadn't really connected much during the day. When we don't connect for a day or two, it really upsets me. Like I get really scared. She doesn't seem, she doesn't seem to be very concerned about some of these things. And uh, we're going to bed and I'm on my iPad. She's reading a book. We're not really saying anything. As soon as her light goes out, I pull a headphone out and I say, hey, I love you. Good night. Here was her response. Good night. Oh, Jesus Christ. And I said, I love you. I was, I was like, why didn't you? I mean, you know me. <laughs> you think I didn't hone in on that immediately? Yeah. And I said, kind of jokingly, I said, well, you don't love me anymore? And her very annoyed goes, yes, I love you. Don't turn it into a thing. It's no big deal. I'm like, well, that's real reassuring. So then the lights out, go to bed. This is the kind of shit that I close my eyes and have to deal with, you know. I'm like, she loves me, right? Like, just I mean, for a guy like me, and she knows me. I think she did that on purpose. But anyway, she she thinks that I'm making a big deal out of it. But I'm like, wow, my wife just very intentionally skipped over the "I love you" part. So that night, I was up late and I couldn't sleep, and I'm just looking at my phone, and I didn't see my daughter come up and. I just see something move right by my face and it was her. And she's going, dad, I'm scared. Do you mind if I come in the bed? And I'm like, get in here, babe. And I was laying there crying because I'm like, my daughter loves me. And she might be the only person on the planet who loves me the way I really want to be loved by people. And that's her. You know, that's not just because she's my baby. Like she, she thinks I'm funny. She thinks I'm talented. I amaze her. And she fucking loves me. And when she's scared, she wants to be near me. And if that's not worth writing an album for, I don't know what is. Yeah. I think about that too.
0: Like we were having dinner last night and I was joking around and I was like, Scarlett, I'm so glad that you love me more than mommy. <laughs> and she's like, she's like, oh, no, 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 daddy. I love you both the same. And then she's like, I know. I know you're just saying that. So, because you're so nice and you don't want to hurt mommy's feelings. But I've, and trust me when I say this, she definitely loves my wife more than me. But she loves me a lot. Yeah. Like she loves me plenty. And I I just kept kidding her. And she's like, I love you and mommy, but and everybody that's in her family and all my friends the same.
1: Yeah. You're like, that's not, (laughs) we're getting worse. We're getting cold, 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 cold. I know. I'm like, that's not what I want. But uh, man, she's,
0: She's so cute. And the other thing, so she just turned six uh, in February, but we were looking at a video of her when she was three. I'm so glad that we have like video of her Mm -hmm. um, throughout her whole life because we watched this video of her when she was three, and she's the exact person that she is now. Now, we didn't know exactly who she was when she was three, and we didn't know who she was when she was one and a half. Now we're getting to really know who she is at six, She's always been the same person. And same with my son. Like the personality that you're born with, that's just who you are. And then obviously your environment affects a lot of things, but it just you're born who you are. Yeah. It's so incredible.
1: If you're a parent, if you have a kid and you and you're paying attention, that's that's something that's just inescapable if you're paying if you're yeah. paying attention. Because we have the same experience. When they're three is when they really start to become who they're gonna be, but they don't have as many motor skills, they're less mobile, and you can't. You can't suss it out. And you don't know yet. By And we're about to crack into seven. And every year becomes my favorite year. Right. But yeah, when you see it now and you start to re-engineer that, reverse engineer it back into like old videos and stuff, you're like, holy shit. Yeah. It's amazing, right? I mean, when like she was a baby, she never slept. And she didn't have right. colic or anything. She just didn't sleep. Now she's seven. And it's like she, she wants to be awake. She wants to read. She wants to stay up. She wants to talk. She hates to sleep. She's like me. And it's like, well, that's what you were like when you were a baby. Same deal. Except now she can talk about it.
0: Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's it pretty is cool. cool. The thing about being a, a parent and and watching your kids grow up, you get a lot of questions answered. The other thing I found to be really revealing about having kids, and it also softened my my uh relationship that I had with my parents, is that I know as as shitty as my parents were as parents they loved me. Like, there's a love that you have for your kids that you just have. And even if you're a shitty parent, they're like, I know that my parents loved me. And I've spent most of my adult life just punishing my dad, especially, but my mom as well for, for letting shit go down. And then once I've, you know, once I had Luke um, and, and realized how much I love him. And how much I love Scarlet! It just—I just was like, oh, I gotta stop punishing my parents. They love me, and every time I punish them, it's like I could just imagine how much that would hurt if my
1: kids did that to me. And so I just—I really stopped punishing them. It just depends on what the crimes were. It depends on what your parents did to you. And I agree about the punishment. I mean, I don't punish my dad. I don't speak to him. And it's not out of some punishment. I'm not playing some game. He's out. You yeah. Know? He's out. And it's not like, oh, I'll teach you a lesson. Now, now, next time, next Christmas, you don't know. I'll play the silent treatment game. It's like, no, he, you know, you can do enough to where you're you're out. And I think he loves me, but it's all wrapped up in his own self-love. And that's like a really huge difference. I think if the the pure love you have for your kid is this love that takes you out like for me what nova rescued me from in a way that my my marriage couldn't my first marriage didn't do it my second marriage didn't do it and any subsequent relationships i'll ever have would never have done it which was she saved me from my own self-love like she's she was the first human being in my life where i thought oh i care about something more than me right so so it was this love generated that i finally i finally took a back seat and my dad's love for me was always really centered around his own self-love, his own ego, you know, him wanting to live vicariously through me. When he thought I became successful, he would come to my shows and instead of being proud of me or just, he would just get drunk and go tell everybody he was my dad and, you know, all sorts and take credit, you know, for weird shit. I, I gave him his first kiss out, you know, he would just do weird shit where I'm like, shut the fuck up, dumbass. He'd yeah. get drunk and call me dad, you know. Like he's just so fucked up, and every, all of his love for me is wrapped up in his own deal. And I, I think it has to be this kind of love that takes you out of yourself. I don't know if that was your experience with Luke and Scarlett, but that was definitely mine. She, well, she saved me from my own poisonous preoccupation with self-love. Yeah,
0: I mean, there's a lot to unpack there. I mean, I just because I love just because I, I had the same experience when when luke was born was it was the first time i wasn't in the number 1 spot mm-hmm. I've, i m- immediately moved to the number 2 spot he moved to the number 1 spot he was the most important thing in my life not me and then when my daughter was born she moved into the number 1 and 2 spot with him mm-hmm. and now i'm in third
1: i'm in the third that's spot that's what i'm talking about like you don't die you don't like give up all of your like need right. to satisfy yourself and to pursue happiness and joy for yourself but for the first time, you're not number one exactly, but it just because I moved into the third
0: spot didn't doesn't mean that i'm wasn't the same person i'm still the same person i am just in the third spot and if you're a fucked up person and you can't get your shit together and you're poison in your relationships with people, then yeah you with your dad you have to create uh boundaries and your boundary with your dad you tried to create some boundaries that just didn't work and finally you were like look the boundary is we're just not going to communicate anymore because it's it's too toxic for me and, and it doesn't make sense for my serenity for us to have any more conversations but that's on your dad and that's you being an adult and treating him like an adult and and it's what you got to do I mean I remember I got sober in 95 and and my dad finally quit drinking probably 3 or 4 years later but during those 3 or 4 years I started setting boundaries with him and I was like look you can't come into the house if you're drunk I'm just not going to have you be in my house if you're drunk cuz my dad was horrible not he's just I just didn't want him in my house he wasn't he wasn't the person that I wanted to be around the drunk person that he was is was not the the person who wasn't drinking now the person that's not drinking is also hard to deal with, but not as hard as the drunk guy. So he showed up, sure enough, he showed up one night at the house drunk. And I'm like, dad, you can't come inside. Now my mom was there. They were spending the night. So he spent the night on the porch, on the, on the, on the, on the whatever the thing we had on the porch, the bench on the porch. And, uh and I, cause my mom was there. She slept with my wife, I think. And we had, we had a really small house in bed and then i was on the couch on the other side of the wall from the couch in the living room was my dad sleeping on a bench and i knew it the whole night and it felt weird it felt weird doing it because because most of my life my relationship with my dad i was the son and he was the dad but at some point i started being like look i'm going to be an adult and you're going to be an adult and that father son thing is not I don't need any anymore. I'm my parent. You got to be your parent. I'm going to be an adult. You'll be an adult. And once I started interacting with my dad as an adult, at first that was really weird. But but the more I did it, the less angry I got at him for not being a good dad. And now when I think of my dad, I don't get angry at him for not being a good dad. I get angry at him for not being a good person sometimes. I'm like, dad, you're being a dumb motherfucker quit being so fucking dumb i do that but not like it's not his responsibility anymore to to look after me and be my dad that's my responsibility i'm my parent he and i'm an adult he's an adult and we have a we have a pretty good relationship does he bother me sometimes does he say some stupid shit fuck yeah he does but I definitely, I, I'm definitely not as angry as I used to be at and, uh And a lot of that has to do with my wife too, because when, when we got together, she, I remember like this is, you know, 10 years ago, my parents would come over and she's like, you're being so mean to your parents. And it was one of those things that I didn't know I was doing it, you know, until she pointed it out. It's just something I'd done my whole life. And I was like, oh yeah, you're right. I am. And so, really, it's my relationship with my wife that has a
1: lot to do with how much nicer. Do you ever family. talk to your parents about, and even just that, Did does your mom ever say, oh, you know, until about 10 years ago, you were kind of difficult to be around because you were kind of mean to us all the time. But I've definitely noticed that you don't... I mean, you, is this the kind of thing that you talk to them about? Well, here's the thing, man. My parents were both raised by alcoholics, like hardcore
0: alcoholics. So, their sense of self-esteem and their... Idea of what's acceptable and what's okay is completely like not in whack with what's normal. So for them, me being mean to them and me mistreating them, I think for them is like normal. Of course, that's that's a normal thing. Yeah, that because that's where they come from. There's this thing that, like, maybe in the last five years, I've started hugging my dad. And if you had asked me five years ago, did your dad? did he hug you? I would have said, of course he hugged me. My mom hugged me. My dad hugged me. And then five years ago, I started hugging my dad and I realized, oh, my dad's never hugged me. That was never a thing that he ever did. And my mom did it a little bit, but even my mom didn't do it that much. And it was this awkward thing where I'd be like, let me give you a hug, dad. And I'd give him a hug and he would just make this, he just thought it was the craziest thing in the world that we were hugging.
1: He was like, oh, you want to do that
0: hug? i'm
1: like here let me slather now, some uh, let me slather some baby oil on before you come no, in here
0: now, oh and now dude now he wants to hug all the time but now it's the summer What's so johnson and johnson is, dude he's always covered in johnson and johnson baby oil and he'll be like come here let me give you a hug i'm like no dad not when you slathered with that fucking baby oil <laughs>
1: jesus christ you monster oh i can't imagine hugging my dad I mean, people, when I talk about my dad, people say, they're like, you know, you got to forgive it. And it's like, I did forgive him. And like, I, I don't speak with a lot of anger about that issue. I don't feel very angry about it. Part of me forgiving him was letting it all go. Like, I, when I was most mad is when I wanted him to be a different person. Right. And that's where the anger generated from was like, I'd give him chance after chance, or I'd like really, instead of meeting halfway and compromising, I would go way far into his world to try to right. make this relationship something that was manageable and it you know he can't do it so i forgive him of that and he had a shitty life too and that's fine but he can't be who i need him to be and so bye that's it the end and i'm not going to be that i'm not going to be some carbon copy of that shit my daughter my daughter's not going to have that story who knows what her story is going to be you know maybe her story is my mom wouldn't tell my dad that she loved him and he laid in bed and cried sometimes but i'll tell you, i'll tell you what you've what I've watched you do over the years,
0: you're in it to fucking learn and win it, dude. A lot of people in your shoes, I don't think would still be like I don't I think a lot of people wouldn't still be married. I think you've you've weathered some real serious storms in your relationship, and I think and I know for a fact that your daughter is going to benefit from you sticking around no matter what. Like you've just said, look, I'm going to learn, I'm going to grow, I'm going to change, I'm going to do, I'm going to be here. And you dude, that's the greatest gift you can give your daughter because at the when she starts dating in a few years, she's going to be looking for somebody like you. Yeah. That loves her, that cares for her, that will stick around and will be there through thick and thin. She's not going to look for some dude who fucking skipped out on her. Just fucking abandon her, which is like, that's the worst thing you can do to your kids.
1: Yeah, I think about that all the time. And that actually, did in this last minute we have, that kind of circles back to what you started talking about with writing your album. Is this this love that, it, it takes you out of that hot seat. I mean, I the things that I've endured in my marriage, yeah, without my daughter being there to remind me of why I'm doing it all anyway... Yeah, I don't know how long we would have made it. I really don't know, and I'm—I think Isabel would agree with that. And I think she has her own. She comes at it from her own side of it too. I think she's really made a lot of sacrifices in her life to keep us together. I mean, she she kept us together through some really dicey shit that you know about, and she's in a lot of ways the hero of our family. And we all feel really committed to our family, and so that—that's just more important. The right. end, you know, like. And I think we have this idea of like we're just so in the fucking weeds of parenthood and like this stage of our lives that there's almost a sense of like, let's not do anything rash until we can breathe. And then, then maybe when we get some, uh, you know, let's talk when the kids, when the kids 18 and if we still want to hang out, we'll finally travel together or maybe we'll split. Who knows? You know, I think we more so than five or 10 years ago feel like we've got time to really be here as a family and hope for the best. So that's kind of where we're at.
0: Yeah. I mean, relationships take a lot of work we're not told that society doesn't tell us that and if we come from a situation if we come from a home like i i mean somehow my parents stayed together but i again i was just talking to my mom you know what let's take we'll take this into the secret weekly cuz i do want to talk about this conversation i had with my mom uh if you want to check out some more let's say you've listened to this podcast, you're like, I need more podcasts. Well, we've got more podcasts for you. Clint's got one called Metal Up Your Podcast. It's all things Metallica, but it's really just about his relationship with his buddy and their relationship with music and life. So check that out. Also check out my other podcast, The Song Club. Um, you can get both of those where you get your song clubs, uh, where you get your, <laughs> your podcast <laughs> information. Please leave us a review on itunes that's really going to help other people find this podcast and uh, we want to grow it you can also go to patreon.com backslash iok and join our patreon today you get lots of goodies including the secret weekly um until next time
1: peace peace